right, so I got to ask our audience this question. How many times have you seen The Phantom Menace? What do you think about that? 20? More? 100? It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. There's something you haven't noticed yet. And that inspires our new segment that we're going to do today on the Resistance broadcast. So welcome, everybody, back to the show. This is our Monday show. Uh, it's me and James today. What's up, James? Hello. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Doing. I'm excited to be here to talk about things that I never noticed in The Phantom Menace. Or yes. maybe I did. Maybe I've obviously known I've noticed yours. Maybe you, you've you noticed have, mine. Right. There could be some we both have the same picks. We never share our picks on this stuff. But this isn't mm -hmm. like a Kessel run. It's going to be more of a chat. And we're trying it out. You know, we're going to see how this segment goes. Hopefully you all enjoy it. It's in the spirit of uh, always finding something new in things you love. Um, and uh, for those of you who may have missed our episode from uh, Thursday or Friday, uh, Lacey had announced that, um, you know, with her pregnancy and uh, she's due in November, she's uh, just dialing back a little bit where she's going to be on our TRB live shows, whether that be Wednesday or Thursdays and our Patreon stuff as well. Uh, but it's going to be sitting out the Monday shows. Just give herself a little bit of a breather. So uh, we'll miss you, Lacey, but we'll hold down the fort and we'll see you on TRB Live. And to break the fourth wall, we talk to you every day anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so James, uh, we're going to kick things off before we kick the tires on the new segment with something that we're pretty used to doing. I fear nothing for all this as the force wills it. That's right, Will of the Force. Now, guys, you know, if you enjoy what we do, please consider and supporting us uh, on Patreon, which, uh, you, of course, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. There you'll find that tiers start at just $5 a month, uh, which is going to give you access to exclusive podcast episodes and more benefits, including submitting topics, topics to this very segment that we're getting ready to do called will of the force again just head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and you can join the resistance there we do appreciate your support thank you yeah uh, and speaking of uh being able to submit topics to will of the force let's kick it off with a patreon submitted question this one specifically is coming from general fulcrum underscore 77 general from underscore 77, Diana, uh, wanted to know, will Thrawn survive the first season of Ahsoka? John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first on this one. I'm going to snag it right Take from it. you. Take it. I'm going to say that he will, and I imagine you're going to say the same thing, because yeah. to me, it seems like they're setting up Thrawn to be the bigger villain of what they've already been slowly rolling out with the Mandalorian. Yeah, they're giving you the pirates and they're giving you grief carga and they're giving you, you know, these other things, um, whatever we see in skeleton crew, whatever we see in Ahsoka, that's fine. But I think that it all is leading up to Thrawn having been the person who's been pulling the strings the entire time. And he will not be somebody that you can just say, oh, man, we've been looking for you. We finally found you you're dead mm -hmm. let's now we can go about our business right i th i think that he has been the one that has been pulling the strings the whole time and he is the villain of dave filoni's movies what are your movie what are your what are your what's your thoughts movie so we doing an i did say reveal? that 
I think every time we talk about his thing, we talk about it in the context of the movies that were announced, you know? So, um, yeah, I think this is a hundred percent lock. I think he's the villain. Um, when the, like you said, the moment we heard at celebration that Floney was making a movie that will be the culmination of all these series that tie into this Mandalorian thread, he's the big villain. I agree completely. I, I don't think they're sugarcoating it. Even Dave Filoni said he's our, he's our villain. Um, I think it's important for them to establish him and build that up for general audiences and for audiences who maybe haven't read the books uh, like myself, but I'm well aware of Thrawn or seen Rebels. Um, it's going to be pretty new to meet this guy. And it'd be very strange for general audiences to meet this villain that Ahsoka alluded to in Mandalorian uh, chapter 14. And then all of a sudden, he, like you say, they just kill him off. Now, it wouldn't be a stretch for Star Wars to do something like that. But I think they do uh, have plans for him beyond Ahsoka. And like I said, including that big theatrical film. So I'm with you, buddy. And- uh, it is a lock. Thrawn <laughs> surviving season one of ahsoka surviving. yeah and and you know it's weird too like here's another thing is that the the fact that they would be like no haven't we been advertising balan as the main villain you mm. know what i mean they make him the main villain then what is thrawn doing as the secondary villain who then mm. dies like <laughs> like such a waste of building up Thrawn if he's not even the one you're really advertising as the villain of the show of this first right. season and then also killing him off. It does it doesn't make any sense. He's he's gonna be around for a little while. Um all right well let's move on to the next one here. Uh we got a Patreon submitted question. We're, yeah again, we're doing this all time Patreon submissions we are yeah um we're doing one from Commander Shane Dowley. Thanks uh, Shane, Shane uh sent in the question will we ever see the fan base be as united and positive about star wars as we all were after tfa john what do you think no i i just don't i just think i think that was a perfect storm of no one expected star wars to come back and then when we heard it was coming back and who was coming back and all that stuff it just made everybody very excited. And then I think TFA was pretty much enjoyed by most fans and critics. And I feel like after TLJ, things took a split. And I don't see us going back to where everyone's sort of jumping around Endor like Ewoks after the second Death Star blew up. So I don't know. What do you think? I think you are probably right. Um, what I'm looking at or trying to look at is how much a Phantom Menace made uh, after inflation, after adjusted for inflation. It says 1.8 billion, which is still not as much as The Force Awakened made. Um, I, I would like to know maybe that how that was domestically, because domestically would be the thing that we're sort of relating to, like. When we say we, I know that it's globally, but when I'm thinking about the hype generally, it's like with your friends or your coworkers or your family or, you know, what you're seeing. What? You're talking about Last Jedi? No, no, no. I'm talking about Phantom Menace. Oh, Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. Yeah, adjusted. Because I'm thinking, okay, yeah, there was Star Wars, but the question is, 
will will we ever see his height as it was? And I'm like, I think that the height possibly of Star Wars, like I think we talked about this like on another uh, Will of the Force, like with Jackson, I think. Like what was the absolute peak like craziness? And that might have been leading up to Phantom Menace. Um, it was like everybody was unified. Everybody wanted to see it. Everybody was super excited. And I think that even then, if you adjust for inflation, I still think The Force Awakens One might have made eight seven billion billion. Well, that's worldwide, but domestically, I so it didn't. So it wasn't as big as Force Awakens. Yeah. No. Uh, so then Force Awakens did top it. So I don't know. That gives me a little bit of hope that maybe there's maybe there's still the possibility because you would think it would be Phantom Menace, but yet Force Awakens was don't able forget. to top it. Phantom Menace didn't have the luxury of the returning big three the way TFA was marketed with Hamill, Ford, and Fisher. And I think that put... TFA over the top over Phantom Menace where if it had its own Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, whatever, we'll see what that turns out. I think even then I don't, I don't think they could ever do that. I mean, no, that wouldn't, that wouldn't even make any sense, but I think that answers the question for both of us. I think, I think you're probably right. Like it was, it was so big. um, And everybody was hopeful, especially when, there was that vibe of like, well, we were all excited for Phantom Menace, but Phantom Menace let us down. But can, we were all I, excited for Force Awakens. Force Awakens did not let us down. You know what I mean? Add a sort of biased view on this is I don't worry about the collective fan base as much as people who I interact with and stuff like that. And I I gotta, you know, I gotta tell people if they don't know, like TRB and what we have going on, whether it's Patreon or just our community in general, it is that, you know, people still love talking about Star Wars and and celebrating it together and having a good time. So if you're just new to us and you just found us recently and you're you're yearning for that, um, Shane (laughs) right here who submitted this question, I I imagine he'd be able to tell you that uh, this is a good spot to be. Shameless, shameless plug. Shane, Shane, shameless plug. With a shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's sad to say that though, isn't it? It's like, sure. It's like, um, sometimes I feel like when people are like, "What was the what was the best one of the three or whatever?" You're like, "Well, it's the first one," and it's like that's not to say that, like, it was all downhill from from that point on. You can still like things. Um. I think people still like say Raiders was the best one, but mm-hmm. we still enjoyed the other uh, Indian and Jones movies. Just, you know, whatever. I'm just advising people don't get hung up on like the collective, like I mean, people are too worried about what other people think about something. And you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying Shane who submitted this question thinks that, but if, if person X out there is the only person to like something, but they love it, does that change anything for you? Not me. There's plenty of movies where I sometimes I feel like I'm the only person who likes it and I still love it. It's just like I don't get the the affirmation from other people that my opinion's good. I'm over that. I don't know. I I, I advise people to, to 
to steer in that direction too. But yeah, I think everybody everybody likes everybody likes it when they have the band that they love that nobody else knows. Oh, you know? that yeah, yeah, right. But also, there is that thing where sometimes when you love something and everybody else loves it too, it's not as good. But there's this third thing that's rarely talked about, <laughs> which happened with Force Awakens, which is you really love it and you are so happy that everybody else loves it too. Yeah. <laughs> True. It's just, it's a great time when you can, no matter who you're talking to, be like, uh, you know, well, at least this artist exists. You know, we always have that album, you know, and, and it's just like universally, you're rarely ever going to run into anybody that's like, that's, you know, I disagree or that stunk or whatever, you know, yeah. it's just nice to always have that thing. And, uh, I think that time with force awakens was, um, really, really cool because we were all validated on star Wars, having spent the last 20 years defending it against people who didn't like the prequels. Yeah, it is. I could see that angle too, where people, feel the need to defend the thing they love. And I do that too. And, but like, I'm, if you, if you free yourself of that, you're going to be a lot less stressed or worried about that aspect of things. Just let go of it. And if you see someone who's like, Oh yeah, star Wars. Yeah. That stopped being good and blank, you know, insert year here. Just be like, all right, cool, man, whatever. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. I definitely know that there are people, even in my personal life that I've encountered that have been like that. Like, Oh, I, you know, I didn't bother to even watch the Disney, uh, stinkles or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, like do, do you like broccoli? They're like, no. I'm like, well, you ever, have you ever tried it? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do that with my son all the time. He, he, he sees something. He's like, he thinks he's not going to like it. So he doesn't try it. I'm like, well, just try it. He's like, no, I don't want, it. you know? Yeah. And I think Bennett's a little yeah. bit like that. I think Bennett is adventurous enough that he's willing to trust us sometimes to be like, okay. And he's very honest. Uh, when, when he doesn't like something, he says, I don't like it. And when he does like something, he's like, I was wrong. That's delicious. Yeah. yeah. Johnny <laughs> that, that's cool today. Oh, really? Yeah. And shrimp is like a, an ugly looking thing. Sure. You, sure. You would think kids would be like, Oh no, but he that's tried it. Bold. He was like, Okay. That's bolder than what I would say Bennett was his most recent thing, which was we went to a restaurant and he tried the bread with butter. He doesn't <laughs> like butter. He did, he's never like wanted anything with butter on it, but he tried it. He tried the bread without the butter and was like, that's gross. And we're like, well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, like the reason people like this is because they get the nice butter on it and it adds an extra flavor. And he tried it with the butter and he's like, dipping it in the butter he's like this is better so now he's a big butter. butter guy uh i mean I, I wouldn't say he's a big butter guy but he was he was he recognized that the thing that he didn't like was actually the thing that is supposed to make it good yeah. you know i just think that's funny that you picked i thought you were going to pick something relatively risky and you picked the most basic food on the planet it's like bread and butter 
Well, you know how it is with condiments, though. Like kids yeah. are like only ketchup. Like they won't try no mustard. mustard. They won't yep. try ranch. Oh, they yeah. won't try mayonnaise. Dude, my kids you go know? through gallons of ketchup. It's insane. Yeah. So to me, butter is a condiment that I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, like I know you like hot dogs with ketchup, but like there are so many other things you could put on it. Um, and and to me, the the butter was sort of that thing. He's like, uh, I don't I don't want that. You know, I don't want that thing. Yeah. I don't trust it. I don't like it. So I don't know. He, I once made cinnamon with, toast with yeah, him, that. and he was like, "Can you make it without the butter?" I'm like, "Funny, you it ha- it's like that's the thing that makes it cinnamon toast." You're like, "You're like, you yeah, just no, like put yeah, it on." No problem, buddy. And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Whip it on there anyway. I was like, "It's got to have it." Yeah. Um, I think the same thing for garlic butter too. Yeah, he didn't want he didn't want garlic bread with butter, and I was like, mm. "Bennett, it's like that's the bread. The bread is just like baked into the butter." Uh, or sorry, the butter's just baked baked into the bread. Yeah, guys, <laughs> I I think we're in agreement there that it's probably not ever going to be as big as it was during TFA, but we can we can everybody maybe hold out a little bit of hope. But everybody liked the bread and butter in 2015. Oh yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars bread and butter. All right, we got one more Patreon submission this time. The question is from Mike Darth Hurricane Waldron. Mike Speaking Waldron. Speaking of broccoli. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he loves broccoli. <laughs> um, Mike asks us the question, will we see any of the voice actors who were not chosen to continue their roles in live action appear in some fashion in Dave Filoni's movie? I thought this um, was a great question. And you're going to go first. No. Oh. No. I think that... Oh, I don't know. I the, the thing is, is like, I feel like this just feels like it would be really easy to do. Like, oh, put Ashley Eckstein in the background. And there she is. She's this other, like, commander or something. Um... But like when you look at the laundry list of of people who that's going to be with voice actors that um, that aren't the people, I mean, it's a lot. And I think to have a movie that's so full of these these cameos that fans are going to say don't really serve the story or the greater star Wars good other than to wink and to nod at the moment. Um, makes it feel like Dave Filoni is like just a normal dude. Who's lucky enough to make a star Wars movie. And I think he's, he's better than that. He serves the story and that's, that's what he does. Like he, he writes and um, he, he didn't, He's a good dude, but he didn't pull the favor. He didn't say like, well, we could get Rosario Dawson, but come on, I'm going to do Ashley Eckstein, you know, because she's my friend and she's owed this and, you know, it'd be really cool and fans would love to see it. He serves what is the best for, for the product in the end. And with so many people being in that specific spot, Mike, of um, people who don't carry their character over, I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see the wink and the nod coming. Hmm. What do you think, John? I, I don't think so either. Um, I remember back when 
back in the day when I used to report Star Wars news. Um, that whole thing about Ashley Eckstein not getting an audition for live action Ahsoka. And the word that I heard was that she was devastated about that and hurt. But then she puts on the good face for public. She never spoke about it. This was all things that people had heard from her camp. Um, I still think there's hurt. I think Taylor Gray, I'm sure there's hurt there. You know, we spoke to him before this decision was made and he was talking about doing live action sword uh, um, fencing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, And uh, he was pretty candid about the fact that he was interested in doing it because he said, I'm an actor first, you know, I can play this role, you know, stuff. And I just still think that there's a certain level of pride that comes there. Like I, I can't imagine seeing Tia Sircar popping up as a bartender in, you know, Filoni's movie or something like that. So right. I, I love the question. I think this is a great, great question, Mike. To- um, and I, I want to know what most people think about this. Cause I'm curious what our audience thinks, but I, for me, uh, I just, Aside from it being like taking me out of the show where I'm like, oh, there's Taylor Gray. Uh, right. I, I just don't think because I can get past that. You know, John Williams showing up in episode nine, George Lucas showing up in Revenge of the Sith. It happens and it's cool. It's a nice little nod. But I, I just for the actors, I, I just it, it seems a little I don't want to say pathetic, but it seems odd to me. And I just don't think it's going to happen. So. so- I'm I, so my original thought was that it's you know Tia Sakar, it's Vanessa Marshall, it's Taylor Gray, yeah, um, it's David Oyelowo, you know, it's like all these. Well, actually, he hasn't made the jump, but I usually put him into that category because he's a black actor who's playing a white actor. So if it ever happened, he can't play the character. It's not, that's not going to happen. So, um, so I kind of put him in that category too. But the thing about this that's kind of making me second guess it is <laughs> the Mandalorian does a lot of this. I mean, you had the three directors show up as X wings. You have a bunch of celebrities and comedians showing up in the shows uh, like Jack Black and stuff. And I, I, I don't really know that Dave Filoni was looking at that situation. He goes, you don't think people are going to be pulled from this. People are going to be pulled from this. He's down. He was okay with that. But I just think I think the list is too long for them to give it to like one one or two of these people and not to the others. So they just say, like, we're just not doing that. And we're not going to give these people these background cameos and stuff. And you don't. And it'd be cool maybe to see them in another Star Wars project that doesn't connect to this as completely different characters. One yeah, day. Totally. I don't care yeah. that Vanessa Marshall shows up in the Acolyte. That's no, great. the you know, difference whatever. with this situation versus like you know, 21 Jump Street when they had the cameos by uh, DeLuise and Johnny Depp right. yeah. or Starsky and Hutch when you see the original guys. It's it's not a thing where, you know, they're too old to play. So here's the new reboot version and we're just doing like a nod to the OGs. These actors could have, some of them could have had a shot yeah. to play these roles. It's just a different thing. And I, 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 bet, I bet their agents would even advise them not to do it. If they're publicists. Uh, but it's a great question, but I just don't, I, I think we both agree. I don't think that's going to happen. Yep. All right. Well, that is going to be it for will of the force this week. Thanks again to all the people who send in questions, uh, specifically patrons. Thank you very much. Uh, and again, just a reminder that if you want to start submitting questions, 
just head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Yes. John, you want to go ahead and introduce this section and then we'll, we'll cut to it. Well, I'll let Luke Skywalker introduce it. Here's our brand new segment on TRB. Look, did you see that? What? There it is. Did you see that? Now you're probably wondering, what is that? I kind of told you at the top, but we'll go over it again. So think about it. So no matter how many times you've seen a Star Wars movie or Star Wars show, if you look close enough, divert your eyes from your usual vantage point where you usually look when a frame comes up, uh, focus with your ears a little more in certain scenes, there will always be something new for you to see or hear. Now, that's the inspiration for this new segment. Did you see that? Which is, of course, a nod to that line you just heard from Luke in the Trash Compactor. Uh, but to kick this new segment off, we're revisiting the start of the Skywalker saga with the Phantom Menace and specifically the Padres scene from the Phantom Menace. So you're looking at about, if you're watching, say, Disney Plus, for example, like 55 minutes to an hour and 10. 15 minute scene, just the race itself, pretty much. Um, and each of us has rewatched this and we've taken some notes. We haven't compared our notes, so we may have some shared things. We may have some things where it's gonna be like, you didn't know that? What? You know, that type of stuff. And you're probably going to say the same thing. Or maybe there'll be some things we point out where you're like, wow, I didn't notice that. I got to go rewatch it. So what's cool about this segment is we'll try to tell you, like we did on Thursday, we told you in advance what we were doing. So some of you may have went back, took your notes, watch the scene. If not, that's cool. Listen to us and then go back, find the things we pointed out and find your own and let us know what you found. It's all about the, the like watching something you love and you feel like you know like the back of your hand right there, which I don't know either. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. But seeing something that you never saw before or heard before, it's finding something new in things you love. So uh, James, we're going to do this now. It's our first time with this segment but the Phantom Menace Padre scene, which is a great scene. Some people say the best scene in the prequels. Some people say the best scene in Phantom Menace. Uh, I'm going to pull a, a How I Met Your Mother and go, stop. Great scene. Great scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which right. actually, funny enough, is uh, the Trash Wars. Compactor scene. Yeah. Which is the what, the name of the segment. The name of the segment. So um, it's quintessential George Lucas. He's all about fast, hot rods and that sort of thing. And you know he probably had so much fun putting this scene together and developing it and seeing its final outcome. Because the scene, say what you want about some aspects of some of the prequels, this scene holds up like from a uh, effect standpoint 20, almost 25 years later. 25 and, years and next And just year. general storytelling. Like I don't think anybody's like, this race is so boring. You know what I mean? Which is going to bring up my first observation which i i think i sort of knew but never really fully encompassed was the fact that this scene has no music in it until the very end of the race that's interesting <laughs> well yeah i i'm gonna make a bet as to why they did do that okay now let me just say the music does kick in at the very last home stretch when they're banging into each other, it's Sebulba and Anakin. Yeah. You hear that. That's it. The whole race. No John Williams. So I, I think I know what you're going to say, but what, why do you think that's the case? The reason there's no music here is because they 
knew that the thing that was going to lead this and make it uh, the best it can be is the sound. I agree completely. Yeah. Yep. So they, they knew that they were going to put a lot into the visual effects, but the visual effects weren't going to land if the sounds didn't land and they needed to totally um, put all of the audio ability into the high and the low end, you know, all that stuff. Because if you uh, think that putting music over that is going to actually elevate the scene emotionally, then you don't have the faith that your audio and your sound effects are as good as they actually are. I agree. And it also, there's a, a rawness to it that puts you in the race. There's a lot of POV shots where you're really behind the wheel of the cockpit of the pod race. Uh, they're very close shots. You're in the action. And I think not having the music and just hearing the sounds of the race really puts you into that race. Mm-hmm. Um, a good choice. I mean, it's funny to say like, uh, Johnny, we can, we can do without you here. We can do without the greatest composer of all time for the, for the next 15 minutes, but I think it was a good choice. So I think that's something in the back of my mind, I probably knew, but until I watched this with this new, like analytical scope, I never really confirmed. And, and until the very end, there is no John Williams music from the, uh, green flag, so to speak, dropping to that final home stretch. Um, now, what are uh, what are some things that uh, you noticed this time around about the pod race and the Phantom Menace? Um, there's there's one that sort of like I'll save for later because it's kind of like a bigger thing. Um, but one smaller thing that I noticed is that every time they cut to the scene of the announcer with the two heads, I can never remember his name. You know what it is, right? Yeah, it is Fode and Bead. Yeah. Uh, every time they cut to him, I am always keeping my eyes on him. And you pause there and you look around, and I've never noticed that above his head on the outside of the little thing that he's sitting in, there are three uh, cameras and I thought I, I thought at first they were like guns or blasters or some type of turrets or something. And I was like, no, that wouldn't make any sense. And it dawned on me. I'm like, they're the cameras. And I was like, honestly, hold on a second. Have we ever seen a camera in Star Wars? Has there ever been any situation that we saw a device that was filming or broadcasting besides... Twice. Oh, okay. You can think of one. I mean, besides like a holler, like we're obviously recording like a person like talking, but those usually are like droids or little, just little, like a, a piece of glass or something. This was like an entire camera. What, what's the other one? So, well, three actually, um, in a new hope, Chewie shoots out the cameras in the detention level when they sneak in. Okay. Uh, in attack of the clones, Anakin purposely situates the security cameras in Padme's bedroom to lure the trap. And he says that he says, I'm watching her on the cameras. Right. And oh, then okay. in, wait, in but Rise do they show Sky the cameras? They talk yeah. about them, but they, they do show them. He said he, he says the word cameras. No, no, no. I'm yeah. not talking about that. I'm saying, do they show the cameras? Uh, in the A new hope one for sure. In that one, I am not positive. Because I mean, the, we're what I mean, you can walk it like they walk into a bar and there's obviously like broadcasts of stuff. Like I know there are cameras in the world. But what I'm saying is, have we ever 
seen the so physical thing because we don't ever see somebody like taking a picture or yeah. something. A New Hope, yes. But, and then in uh, Rise of Skywalker, they're shooting out the cameras on the uh, uh, when they're going to rescue Chewie. Right again, but I'm I'm I don't doubt the one where you said where they shoot out the camera because that does sound familiar to me, but. Even in Rise of Skywalker, I can picture them like going through and blasting the cameras, but I don't know that they cut to mm-hmm. the camera and see it explode. Yeah. Because what my curiosity here is like, I'm familiar with like cinema grade cameras or DSLRs or anything like that. Security cameras, just in general, we all kind of have an idea of what they look like. But what do they look like in Star Wars? Well, you know, this broadcast camera, I didn't even realize what it was because I thought that it was like a turret because that's just generally what's around in Star Wars, like engines and turrets and batteries, uh, boot, uh, you know, uh, all that type of stuff. But I looked at that thing and uh, realized after a few seconds that it is the the main cameras that are filming this thing f- across, you know, oh. well, maybe just Tatooine, but like, you know, I have the to galaxy. Maybe we have to do this for Attack of the Clones too now. If, this, if people like the segment, I believe what Anakin says is he turned off the cameras and he's using the force and he goes, I can see everything that's going on in that room. Right, and, right, and, right. And Obi-Wan's like, like pretty much like, are you crazy? <laughs> um but yeah so definitely a new hope you see chewy shooting out cameras but that's a good observation because though yeah that's a good point those are three cameras and they could look like they're you know guns or cannons or something like that Mm -hmm. i i also have a couple things about the announcers if we want to like knock that that aspect out i've tweeted this before but i think it's good to bring up um they confirm multiple universes in the phantom menace for the first time in star wars because the announcer says i don't care what universe you're from that's gotta hurt um and to just using the word universe you can say that there are multiple universes now that's up for interpretation but i just want to throw it out there that he says it because if he knows what the word universe is they say galaxy and it's a galaxy so if he says universe that means there's a universe and he says, I don't care what universe you're from. Now, it doesn't mean it, but it's something to think about. That's all I'm going to say. The only other time that I can, because there's always those random scenes where they don't say droids, they say robots, you know, or something. Yep. But the only other time that I can think that the term universe was used off the top of my head is Django Fett. He says uh, something along the lines of like, I'm just a small man trying to make my way in the universe. And simple I'm like, man, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah simple man. Yeah. Whatever, whatever the line was, but I'm like, I've always felt like it. He should have said galaxy there. Yeah. But he said universe. And I'm like, that's weird that they're implying that there's, I, I even think of Star Wars as just like something that's that's in this one galaxy and that's as far as it ever could go because they don't ever talk about other galaxies that are, you oh, know, right. like we have, we're in the Milky Way, there's like a Andromeda that's the closest, you know, they, they, like we can't go very far, but even if we could and we were bouncing around Milky Way, it still seems like the entire Star Wars world is confined to the galaxy. So those random small uses of the term universe to me always seem a little odd, but that one uh, didn't because I've never noticed that. I I, like, I know the line, but you know what I mean? Like you Mm -hmm. don't think about it in that context until 
Um, but the Jenga Fett one always stuck out to me. I'm like, I feel like you should have said Galaxy there. I always sort of agree with that too. I, I've always found that strange. Um, and then the other thing in terms of the announcers, it's just like a little funny sort of nitpick and how they do editing. Um, so when Anakin is either in, takes the lead or is winning the race, on the monitors behind them, they have two behind. So if you're facing the announcers on the right-hand side, one of the monitors has his pod race and the other has a picture of him. And the pod picture racer. of him... His pod racer, yeah. His pod. Yeah. And then the other picture is clearly a still from him when he's talking to Yoda in the Jedi Temple, uh, being <laughs> grilled about, like, you miss your mother or ship a cup or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they just use that as his like profile picture, even though it doesn't happen until later in the movie. And I just thought that was funny because they do that a lot in movies where they just like take something and 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 use it for other purposes. So I just right. thought that was funny. It's funny uh, that you bring that up too, because I, I just happened to be on that frame and I was like kind of looking over the scenario and then you're like, also, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm just looking at that. And I thought that was kind of strange that you could see, he almost looks like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas in that little picture yeah, there. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, another short one is that uh, I was kind of examining over um, his pod and I noticed that behind him, there's, uh, you know, again, like if you're looking at it in the scene to his, uh, to the right, but to his left, like back here, um, there's a there's a little satellite dish and it reminds me sort of of like Han Solo's satellite dish for the Millennium Falcon. And what's interesting uh, on Anakin's to me, pod? Yeah, on Anakin's. There's a little satellite dish there. And what interests me is in the world of this technology that they have that, you know, transmits across galaxies and stuff. What real benefit of these satellite dishes, but yet they're still being used. And it makes me wonder what, even if you, if you were to argue, okay, well, they're still using basic technology, but it's super powered so it can go further, whatever. What even is that satellite dish doing on the, the pod? What could it be broadcasting or transmitting or receiving in that moment? What purpose would that would there be for a fairly sizable satellite dish behind it? I would say I would say it's um oh I don't know I could go find it I would I would say it's it's a ten inch satellite dish for like radar or something radar. For like, night racing, it's not, maybe? I don't know. Uh, it's not spinning around. There's that, you know what? I'm looking Would at George it Lucas be like, uh, ultimately, uh, just one. There's, to, it looks uh, like there's two. It looks like there's another little smaller one. They're not spinning around, so I don't think it's radar. I, I Honestly, it probably is just one of these things where they were like, this will make it look cool, a little bit yeah. more uh, whatever. Yeah. I like that. All right. But I'm not sure what the benefit of uh, those satellite dishes would be. Um, Speaking of pod racers and pods, um, that, I mean, that's a good one too, because I didn't notice any 
accessories for mannequins. So that's a good catch. Uh, Dud Bolt, one of the pod racers, his model is a Vulpterine 327, which is the famous number always used in Star Wars, 327. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's clearly Lucas doing his own self-referentials. Uh, and then this one I got a kick out of. So Clegg Holdfast, who looks like one of the more literally animated of the characters, he gets mm-hmm. announced and he does this bow and he mm-hmm. has these medals on his shirt that I never noticed before. They almost look like war medals. So I looked them up and apparently the medals that he's wearing, Clegg Holdfast, are medals that he won pod racing. So he's wearing all his like victories on his chest, almost like whether it's like, look at me or an intimidation factor or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it made me think it's like, it's like Tom Brady wearing his Super Bowl rings while playing in the next Super Bowl. (laughs) So so you see this guy, Clegg Holdfast, taking this bow and he's got these medals on his shirt. And I never noticed them before. And then I looked deeper and those are his pod race victory medals. And that's a right about right after the 56 minute mark. He gets announced. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so funny. I got a kick out of it. And I love that little detail that they slapped in there. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I have a bunch of others. Uh, I don't know if you want to. I don't know. I, we, I mean, this is a new segment. I don't know if we're going taking turns. I don't know what we're doing here. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, what? To to be honest, too, like I didn't know what the limit on like how many things we were pointing out, like how long our lists are supposed to be. Doesn't matter. Um, what is um, it's not. Is it Aqualash? What is the what's the species um that is opposite? They're they they are they're both in the same planet, um, but there's like Admiral Akbar species. And then there's like the other one that like has that. Oh, uh, triangle kind of head. Oh, um, is it like a quailish or something like that? I think it does start with a K, but I, I noticed in one of these scenes where, um, Qui-Gon and Watto are having a conversation. There's one that walks around in the background and, uh, that's not like crazy because you know you see similar species all the time but it was the first time that i saw one and i go what is a water-based species (laughs) (laughs) on tatooine even if he's like visiting arguably or whatever it still seems like an odd place for someone that species is generally literally underwater all the time you know i saw a few quarrens like the squid heads mm-hmm. and that's the same thing like what are they doing in the desert are they just are they just degenerate gamblers and they're there to watch the race is that are we so quarrens are like the things that look like sort of like davy jones in pirates they got that's like what those... i'm talking about oh yeah 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 so Quarant, that's why I said yeah. like the tri. I said they have like triangle heads. It's like a peak at the top, and then it comes out like oh, two things on the, like ears yeah. or something on the sides. Yeah. I maybe yeah. should have described them with tentacles in the front, but yeah, corn, corn. That's what I was yeah. looking for. And there was one. There's one scene where something happens, and you know, like you ever go to like a concert or a show, and then like one person stands up and everyone stays seated, and you're like, <laughs> look at this guy. There's one of those corn that does that. It stands up, puts his arms up in the air like this, cheering. Uh, so he must have had uh, more money on the race than everyone else. 
This um, is a good time to mention, I, I, you know, this is sort of behind the scenes too, but like when it comes to those crowds, if you've ever watched the behind the scenes, they're like toothpicks with little pieces of, uh, Q-tips. Q-tips. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but basically just like a stick with like a little paint on the end. Um, oh, so yeah, it's not yeah. really something that you could say like, Oh, I never noticed that before, but like, it is one of those like sort of things where if you didn't know that, go back and look at some of those scenes yep. and be like, you know, that's not digital characters that they added in, uh, for a lot of this. Right. They, um, they just did it, you know, like a, a and, weird kind of camera trick. And speaking of that, two things. One, uh, I did spot for the first time in Ethorian, the hammerhead. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. at fifty six twenty, a more elaborate looking Ethorian actually. Big, big. I yeah. felt like that particular one too was. I was like, well, there. You know, we've seen that species before, but like, I was like, but that one looks giant. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it looks bigger look than the normal, normal one. Yeah, yeah. And then speaking of the crowd stuff, there is they. Um, used a shot, at least one shot of the crowd multiple times during the race scene. And the only way I know this is because, you know, they have those stairs, almost like a Coliseum in between the sections mm-hmm. of the seats. Right. There, there's one guy walking up the stairs and he stops, turns, looks at the race and then goes back up the stairs. And I see the exact same shot later towards the end of the race. <laughs> so Lucas was either like, no one's going to notice, just throw it in there. Or they accidentally use the same shot twice. Now, Star Wars has done similar stuff like that in the past, and I enjoy it. Uh, but it's it, it was cool to like catch it this time because I never caught it before, which means it works, right? Um, and and while we're on the crowds too, again, like I I don't I don't know how to like point this out. Like, oh, I never noticed that random person, but when you pause on a crowd scene and you look around. I feel, and I could be wrong, but I feel like it's one of those times where they just like have so many different like species of not even like crazy, crazy alien things. Sometimes it's just people with like markings and stuff on their face. And Mm -hmm. I know that uh, like take a, well, a character like Ahsoka is not a good one because she does have like the bigger headpiece and stuff Um, like Baris Offrey or something like that. Sometimes there are face markings that are part of their a part of a species, but for all intents and purposes, they're still like uh, human. But then they say like, oh, it's a different species alien because mm-hmm. they have those markings, which make them whatever they are. So I'm looking at some of these crowd uh, shots and I'm looking at a lot of these people and I'm like, okay, some of these might actually just be people who put, face paint on for the sporting event or something. But the vibe that I'm getting from a lot of these people is these are supposed to be one of those types of George Lucas aliens. Or it's a religious thing for those people in in story or something, maybe. Well, again, yeah, but that's like, that's adding face paint. My point... It looked like paint, didn't it though? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is like, I think, I mean, obviously is paint in real life. No, yeah. But I think some of those are not just like paint or tattoos or something like that. I think those are supposed to be 
when you're born into this galaxy and you're part of that species, you they all have these markings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just like, uh, that was an easy way to, and I mean, they all, all scientists, sci-fi shows do that you're gonna see that on star trek all the time like what makes that person an alien well don't you see they have like something on their face and there's like it's they're mostly human they're 99 human like spock he just something. has the pointy ears That's uh, it. yeah 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 or 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 war for whatever like essentially human and then like some crazy forehead he forgot it's like, it was botox yeah all all they're changing is just a little bit but all of that said is I, I was looking around and I'm like, this looks like a lot of different alien species, quote unquote, humanoid. That we don't really ever see anywhere yeah. else. And it, it's interesting to look at them and say, um, at the time when they were hiring and making the movie just to go like, uh, oh, we need another one. Okay. Uh, you know, and they do some stuff and they're like, I, 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 you're right. I think some of that probably is like religious or, or fanatic or something like that. But it, uh, it has that vibe of like sci-fi alien that yeah. Star oh, Wars yeah. is not, does not shy away from. Yeah, I agree. And it's cool um, to look at them and see maybe how they got there on the day or like, or it makes you wonder like how often people in like Star Wars resistance, you know, they're putting those aliens like back in the backgrounds and they're also walking around. Yeah. And you just don't, you don't put together like, oh, this is not the first time we've seen that species. They actually were first seen in, in Phantom Menace. Right. But like they pop up here and there. Yeah. They're just never main characters. So they could be a, tri- uh, a tribe from a certain part of Tatooine. They could be birth- born with that. Yeah. There's that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I noticed that too. And it is interesting because I never really paid attention to that. Now, I have two that the audience and you will be like, come on, John, really? Um, the first one is, and I don't know how I missed this or whatever. <laughs> if this, John told me one before we got started. <laughs> this is that. <laughs> this yeah. is that one. <laughs> I wanted to pretend like this was the first time I was telling you. Oh, all right, all right. Okay, it's okay. So there's clearly uh, a female-looking, white-skinned, literally, s- sniper or something way up above the race and it turns out it's aura Singh, and i didn't i never knew that until i saw that and looked into it and you were like what really yeah so i was like how did away, you miss folks. that one yeah that, so, well, i think yeah that's a big one because audience... that's her first appearance yeah some of our audience might not be too familiar with that um and of course we know how aura Singh dies because speaking of being up high i guess you like being up high so uh, that's another reason I thought that it was surprising because in Solo, the joke about I pushed her felt reminiscent of her first appearance. Yeah. Because the first time we ever see her, she's standing on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. The fall killed her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Aura Singh. So for those who did know, feel free to take your jabs. That's cool. For those who didn't know, there's Aura Singh at yeah, the... Yeah, that's a uh, live action character that was brought to animation right the other way around. And it's at the one hour and one minute mark and about nine or ten seconds, um, you'll see her. And she clearly has some sort of rifle on her back. She's looking to take someone out. Um, now, the other one is... This is just clearly background stuff. And I, I like ever since you know I first saw this movie, I'm focused on the pod races, pod racers and the pods and all that. 
But in the canyons, I didn't realize that those were dwellings built into the walls of the canyons until I really yeah. closely looked that even in those tight walls, the the little like white things you see on the sides are actual homes and people could like poke their head out and look at the race as it's happening. I never noticed that before. So I did notice that, but where I will, I will take it to a point where I didn't notice it until today is that there are also some of those cutout areas within the main arena area. So obviously there are stands, but on the other side of the stands, there's rocks where some of those areas are cut yes. out. Now, I, I also, I can't confirm that they're also not just like more expensive areas for some of the highest bidding gamblers to hang out with, but they look very similar to the ones that were in the the walls of the canyons and stuff. And I thought, okay, well maybe when they're just, they let these people stay here or whatever, you could live here if you wanted. Um, maybe they're, maybe they're expensive apartments that are for lease or whatever, you know, who knows? Um, but some of them are also actually located closer to the arena and they, uh, they look to me like places to live. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I did not notice those within the Canyon. Um, how many more do you have? Um, I have a very short one too. This isn't really anything, but like, I, I know that there are caverns. There was like caves and, and areas where you were kind of cutting through the, 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 rocks but i didn't really take them as like cave-like and stuff and this is the first time i really noticed how many like um actually don't know what the term for this is but like stalactite from coming from down so like might when it's up from the bottom but like when they connect i feel like that's a different term there are portions of the area that they go through where if you were to ask me without being able to see the movie what is the terrain? I would just say they were all rocks. They were like jagged rocks, but I didn't realize there was so much of it that was cave-like with these, um, with these types of formations that feel very moisture based, mm -hmm. water based. And I'm like, interesting. Like, how is it that some of these formations are out here? How did these caves come to be? if there's not moisture involved and it made me think of where did we, where did we get confirmation recently? Oh, Obi-Wan, right? It was either Obi-Wan or book of Boba Fett. One of the two, something recently where they talked about how Tatooine was like an ocean planet. Yeah. And I'm like, this is wild. If, <laughs> if you're going to try to tell me like some of the things in Phantom Menace, who maybe they made and look cool. And then after the fact, they look at it and they go, Oh, well, you know what? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense has then driven the story yeah. to say, well, we have to make this make sense. Right. There's fish bones in the, in the, uh, in the, the desert. We right. have to make that make sense. So, uh, so that whole water thing may partially be in relation to some of these formations you see on the pod race trail. Uh, and on the then does that track. mean something like a crate dragon? Did that have to evolve because it still moves through the sand like it's water? Did that right. used to be a water-based creature like jackfish, and then it had to evolve to become a sand 
swimming creature. And that's and now we're getting really nerdy, and I like kind of like that. But <laughs> um, that is interesting. And if you've got point. others, I, I I've got I've got one more that I, that was the one I'm like saving for. I have I have a couple of small ones. Right. Uh, so fun ones like observational. So right after like after the win, and Anakin pulls up, a bunch of people celebrating. There's a Rodian celebrating his win, and people are like, ah, oh, yeah, we've all seen Rodians, and it's not the one that's hanging. It's not Wald or whatever the one that's hanging out with like Warwick Davis's weasel and stuff like that. He's off to the side. The reason why I find it funny is he's wearing a vest just like Han Solo's, except it's blue, and he's just this Rodian rocking this like blue vest. I thought that was funny. And then <laughs> at just before the one hour and ten minute mark, uh, there is a shot of. Um, Weasel and Watto uh, complaining about the end of the race or whatever. And there's this girl behind them and she's celebrating like she's so happy. And you could tell it's an extra and they're like telling her to celebrate. So she so she's celebrating. Then she looks to her. She looks she's looking for someone to celebrate with. So she looks to her right and looks to her left and looks behind her and there's no one there. So then she just goes back to doing this. And it's just like so funny <laughs> that that's there and I've never seen it before. It's this girl looking for someone to celebrate with and there's no one there around her. So check her, check, check, uh, look for her. And then um, a cooler one with Java. So at the beginning, Java starts the race. Of course, you have Bib Fortuna, who's actually played by Matthew Wood in this. Uh, and he also returned to play mm-hmm. him in the teaser or post-credit scene in Mando for Book of Boba Fett. There's also a blue spike-haired dancer, one of Jabba's dancers there. Now, it's this is not a slave or a prisoner because she's not wearing chains and she's moving rather freely. And at the end of the race, you see her walk off on her own wearing this the metal bikini. And I don't know if it's exactly the one Leia wore, but it looks close enough to the point where it's closer looking to the bikini Leia wore than Chewie looked closer to Chewie from the prequels to the uh, original trilogy. So what timestamp is this? That is just, just before the race starts. So when they first show Jabba, um, so you'll see her and the top part, uh, like the bra part, like it's exactly. Yeah. 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 And the bottom part, she also has sort of pants on or something, but I think it'd be, that'd be so funny if it turned out Leia as his prisoner he didn't have anything to demoralize her with like for that. So he just used one of the dancer bikinis he had and put her in that or something to tie in how he sort of operated. But that dancer and she has the blue spiked hair and she walks freely on her own after the race. She's not like pulled by anybody or anything. So I don't think it's a slave or a prisoner. I think she's just there as entertainment for Jabba and she's wearing what looks very much like the exact bikini that Leia wears in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, there's um, there's actually a, a, quite a bit to the scene. Is if is if you're kind of looking around, I've never noticed that there's an R five looking droid in that scene too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another dancer uh, who's kind of behind, but I believe that one is one that we see in the special edition of Return of the Jedi, right? That's that that's also the same character. Oh, could be. Yeah, um, yeah. that's one of the dancers. I, I might yeah. be wrong on that too. Um, also behind her though, there's these guys who are dressed the same way as in return of the Jedi. When Palpatine like 
releases his advisors so that Darth Vader can walk up. Oh, there's like those about. guys with the weird, like kind of purple hats. Yeah. Red and like burgundy and purple um, yeah. and gray or whatever. There's a couple of guys in the background that are wearing those outfits in that scene too. And I'm like, Oh, that, that's kind of interesting. It obviously ties into sort of the greater, like what is, who are you? Like we would kind of sleazy money person or you, you know what I mean? Like you're just like shifting money around and doing bad business. You know, this kind of feels a little shady. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I forget what those guys are called. There's only something, uh, there's, they're a group. And one of them is like the guy who tells Vader that director Krennic's there in rogue one. It's like these guys who are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like advisors. They're, I guess that's what I said. Advisors. Yeah. They seem but like I don't they're, know if there's a, an official title to that group, but yeah, they're part of the, a family. Um, I'm adding another one right now, actually there, there's a, there's like a, a little thing that I'm noticing. It, it's a little square object and it's got four little hover things on each one of the corners. And then across it, they just have like a tarp. And I'm like, so is this, is it only literally to shade the one small section of the crowd? Why don't you guys have bigger versions of this? Oh yeah. That would cover the whole crowd. But like, there's a scene here where you can see that this thing's like kind of floating above the crowd and it's obviously hovering. Um, the, but maybe like a, not uh, a drone or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one that I want to run by you. It's my last one. And it's at the very end of the race. I'd never noticed this before, but they do the shot of Shmi, Padme, Qui-Gon. And Qui-Gon closes his eyes before the end of the race. It's the very end, though. It's when Anakin and Sebulba is neck and neck. He closes his eyes and sort of looks up, clearly like he's tuning into the Force. And then there's a shot of him looking to his left. And we don't know what he's looking at, but he opens his eyes and looks to his left. I did pause it at one point and saw that he had his eyes closed and it just, it felt to me like a little bit like, you know, kind of thing. But I think you're probably right that it's... I think I, I want to say that he felt, I don't know if anxious about the outcome that he like used the force to see how it was going to turn out or something. Because he That's closes it. his eyes in a very, in a very similar way that he closes his eyes when he's meditating between the force field doors when Maul's waiting to get back at him, mm -hmm. he just, he lifts his head slightly and closes his eyes. To me, that's not like I'm tired. I need a coffee. It's like him, like tuning into the force a little bit. And it's at the very end, again, towards the very end of the race, they sh show the shot of the group looking on and he's behind Shmi. And he, I don't know if he has his arm, his hands on her shoulders, but he lifts his head and he closes his eyes. So I want to hear what you think and what the crowd, uh, the crowd, <laughs> our audience thinks about that. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm scanning through. I'm trying to find that moment so I can get a little bit of a better like visual on what you're talking about. But like I said before, I do remember as I was flicking through, I noticed there was a scene where he had his eyes closed, but I took it a little bit more like he was just worried about this, the scene in a different way, just like a natural thing. But when you bring up, how he might be at that moment sort of meditating on the moment, you know, and saying like, how, okay. how what's, so, what's the vibe here? Are, are we, are we, are we winning? Are we losing? What, what is this? It's what's around like one Oh eight fifty. 
oh, in, man. on Disney Plus. That is, I'm way past that. I thought you said it was like the end of the race. This is the end of the race. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. My, my bad. Uh, yeah, sorry. That's my bad. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to make complete dead airs. I'm trying to find this scene. No, but. yeah. But like Shmi's like, I can't look. But before that, it's it's to me it's clear as day that Qui Gon's doing some sort of like meditating or something. With uh, the exact spot is one hundred eight fifty. Yeah, he closes his eyes and lifts his head, and I just find it very interesting. It looks very like I'm gonna just do Jedi. I broke for a second. Yeah, I broke the uh, player trying to skip through so much but anyway check it out and let me know what you guys think um to me it looks like a, a jedi meditation move but anyway <laughs> um do you do you said you have one more big one yes i do um i am pretty confident and i'm willing to hear anybody's speculation on this not be the case if you want to go in and look at it but i believe i found a prop and continuity error oh okay um, so this got? one is it is it one sixteen fifty, and all right. So you're you're past the race. Well, yeah, I think it happens a few times during the race. I didn't go through and clock how many times they actually show the shot, but it's any time we're with um, Padme and Shmi and Qui Gon in that booth, and there they, there's a shot looking through Padme and Shmi at the like monitor that Shmi's holding in her hands. So can you verify, is it 106.50 then? One, 116.50? Well, it might be 106.50. Yeah, because 116.50 is when Maul's about to attack. So it's well past. So I'm going to assume 106.50 because that falls within the time of the race. Um, yep. Okay, let's take a look. So what are you saying now? It's a viewpoint from behind? Oh, so, man, come on. Well, that's okay. So explain the scene, though. Because we can't be doing dead air here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's looking past Padme and Shmi at the monitor that Shmi's holding in her hand. Mm-hmm. And when that scene is being shown, she's holding the monitor as if there was a screen in the middle and then there was the body around it, like the bezels and she's holding the device like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then in every other scene where they show them just as a group or they show them from the front where you can see their faces, she's holding the monitor and it's, it's the same device, but this, but now it has, little connecting pieces and two bone tusks. Tusks, I saw the tusks. And she's holding on to them like they're handlebars. She's holding on to the tusks. And I see what you're saying. you start looking around the crowd and she and there's all these monitors uh throughout the stands and stuff and they're all on funny, they're on stands. Mm-hmm. Um but none of them have those tusks either. <laughs> They all are like just the basic like um, little thing that you grab onto with a screen. 
and but the but theirs has these tusks except for the one scene where it's from the back and you're and you you're supposed to look at what's on the monitor she's holding that whole thing with her hand and not the tusks so the prop got changed at some point from scene to scene or they were like ah no one will notice this like she's just holding the thing nobody's going to pay attention to it um man i i literally wrote down the time i'll i'll try to find it but it's in the pod race scene for anyone who's wondering (laughs) um no that's cool man uh i wouldn't say that's big but i think that's cool because i oh the reason i think it's big is because it's like it's not part of the story that you just never noticed before I'm like, that's an actual error, like a mistake in the I filmmaking. Like yeah. And usually those are things that people go to to look up, you know, flubs yeah. and movie oh, yeah. goofs and things like that. And I was like, I don't know, it just wasn't overlooked by me, but it, I don't know. I felt like it had a little bit extra elevation because it's like a oh, mistake, yeah. you know, and not just like something I'd ever noticed. It's like in, in a couple of shots on Tatooine, the like brief moments where Obi-Wan's actually out of the ship where his braids on the other side, just because George right. Lucas liked how the shot looked that way better. And he didn't care. He's like, I don't care, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I don't have any, anything else. Uh, are you good? Like, I think we, yeah, that was, honest, that was so. the main one because I, I, I don't know. Maybe you maybe didn't think it was as cool as I did, but I was like, I found an error no, in Star I think Wars. Cool. I, thought you, I, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were in a, you were like, I got a big one. And I thought no. it was going to be something that I was like, oh man, I can't believe it. Going to change the way we look yeah. at the scene or something. But I, I do like those sort of um, continuity things for sure. Cause those are fun to point out. I um, always felt like it was one, it was something too, where like, or not, I always felt like when I was going into this, I felt like somebody was going to be able to be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't think I'm wrong. So please try to check it out. Watch the scene again. And that's the whole point of the segment. Um, So I hope everyone enjoyed this. And now I want you to think about all the other scenes that are busy scenes. Like just think about attack of the clones in the bar or like, you know, there's so many scenes that we can do this new segment with. So I hope everyone enjoyed it. Did you have a good time? talking about it and doing it james oh yeah i did yeah, I, yeah. it it leads to so much uh discovery in like a good way like yeah. uh i know there's a there's other there's a podcast too is it, is it star wars minute that does this sort of thing where they just kind of like travel through segments of star wars they, and don't they literally do minute by minute like one that's what it, the whole minute i think no I no no late, uh, yeah no 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 they 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 do my understanding of their show if i'm not mistaken is that they they take 1 minute of star wars and then they podcast about Correct. everything that they discover in that yes. minute yes okay yeah yeah i think lacey has been on that show i'm not she has. Yeah. yeah um yeah so i enjoyed this i like revisiting a lot of these familiar scenes and just when you think you know everything there's plenty um, there was even another shot that's completely arbitrary of guys in the background. There's three guys and one guy's on his knees checking out the sand and he points behind him and then they all turn around and start walking in that direction. And I'm like, why is that there? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And I love that George Lucas, like he has talked about that. He's like, let's throw some of this in the background. So some of some of this, and I think he likes just like letting people s- discover things. So 
I had a lot of fun with this and uh, look forward to doing more, more scenes in the future. Um, but uh, that brings us to the end of the show, James. That was a, uh, uh, it's we're over an hour, but it went by quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, it did. We want to thank everybody for listening and watching and being a part of TRB. Uh, let us know for sure what you think of Did You See That? And hopefully we can uh, do more in the future. Um, and like James said before, Patreon is huge for us, but we do have to say a special thank you to our top tiers, Generals and Spice Runners, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana, and Dave Hornack. And our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. And all of our patrons Woo. and all of our listeners, viewers, everyone who is a part of TRB in any way, thank you all very, very much. We appreciate it. Uh, for me, you can find me on x or twitter or whatever and threads and blue sky at johnny hoey and my movie pod just like the movies uh we'll be doing airplane next we have titanic out now uh james how about you um you can find me on uh, x and uh instagram both at myra trunks and uh lacy at lacy gillerin on all the social media platforms uh, and then as far as uh, this pod, of course, keeps, you know, spreading the word about the channel. We're trying to grow our subscriber count, youtube.com slash at the resistance broadcast and audio apps, whether that's Spotify, Apple, wherever, make sure you're subscribed and rate us over there and just keep telling your friends who like Star Wars about TRB. We appreciate it very much. Uh, we'll be back with you uh, later this week, uh, as always, with TRB Live. So uh, we hope you enjoy your week. Stay cool. And we'll see you next time with another episode right here on TRB. We'll see you around, kids. <laughs>